Welcome back to another podcast. I think episode will stick for actual shows, but hey, oh gosh, this has been, I think, the craziest week of them all in a long time, and <laughs> gosh, I'm 30 years old, and I don't know, it's just one fucking thing after another. I guess there's no really, no period in time where you could say there isn't a lot going on, but Whew. Ukraine and Russia has invaded Ukraine. Uh, the stories on both sides are, you know, one begets the other. But this is a topic that, you know, some people say the American intelligence was right the whole time. And this is the first time they've been right about a few things. Some others say that this is a purposeful act. Uh, been listening to a lot of people. Kim Iverson, like five hours after like the invasion happened, uh, was explaining how, in many sense, this was a U.S.-made situation. Uh, now, either way, I don't condone the like loss of life in such a like dramatic way. Uh, this is a tension that we've been stirring up for quite some time. I know in previous episode I said this wouldn't happen. Everybody said this wouldn't happen, but that's the thing about war is you know don't listen to what people say, look at their actions. And so from Kim Iverson's standpoint, she was talking about how Nord Stream Two was built, finished, and cost billions of dollars, and would supply about another well supply Europe with eighty percent of its energy, and. So on and so forth. Nord Stream 1 supplies about 40% of the energy they need. Uh, Nord Stream 2 would be another step for Russia to bring in a lot of revenue and continue to supply to Europe with energy. Hence why everyone was trying to, especially from like France and like other country, were trying to talk down the situations. Uh, specifically, she was bringing up the fact that uh, Russia made two of the states... Uh, what the Ukraine calls uh, separatist states independent of Ukraine. Now, you know, you can look at this in many of the contexts of light, you know, especially like uh, for our purposes in America, when the Union seceded from the U.S. and Abraham Lincoln was president at the time, there was no way, shape and form he was going to let those states secede and be their own. And so conflict was inevitable in those states and that fashion and so we can understand it in that purpose uh saying that once they did that uh apparently there was agreements made with germany and uh like biden administration saying if there was any military conflict they would like you know disavow norm street too and so you know whoever shot the first fire is kind of not relevant at this point oh gosh but it is coming at a large cost of life on either side, uh, on breaking points, Crystal and Sauger were pointing out how, like, you know, which, you know, I appreciate their viewpoint a lot, but sometimes, like, you know, even though they're outside of mainstreams, I think they do take, you know, some stances that are mainstream, aka, you know, the whole vaccine statement, but, you know, everyone make up your own decisions, therefore freedom of choice, and at this rate, you know, it is the choice of the Ukraine people to continue the conflict, uh, it is one of those ironic things that in America we talk about Nazism and how we must do this massive campaign to uproot it, you know, from neo-Nazis in America, which whether, you know, what you want to read or believe, 
I think it's a very, you know, there is Nazism, but at the same time, if I'm a person that says freedom of speech, you know, there is freedom of speech. And like, you know, perfect example, I know I've brought up before in con in conversation that when the ACL defended like the uh, KKK from do, uh, to do a parade in a state and also local people that stopped Brudy Gianni from like uh stopped him from banning it outright there is a consequence to suppressing other people's freedom whether you agree with them or not uh as far as the ukraine situation uh there's a lot of like a lot of things going on there i was actually listening to a little bit of the history of russia and how it's found kiev is actually uh and the ukraine state is actually what was the birthplace of Russian culture, and then they moved southward in expansion, and that's where Moscow came up, so there's a lot of historical sense there. These uh, two separatist states that they refer to, which, you know, words matter, and I hate saying that, but these two states that consider themselves more Russia-aligned, uh, even the case of Crimea, uh, depending on who you want to believe or what, uh, it was democratically elected to go back to Russia. It was a gift to Ukraine. And before this all started, Vladimir Putin made a speech talking about like, uh, well, let me give you a little bit more context about Ukraine and why I brought up neo-Nazis. And uh, also, I would also refer to Oliver Stone's uh, Ukraine on Fire, where we have done Several times from John McCain, Joe Biden, and the Obama administration have gone over to incite, you know, revolution. But, like, in the revolution sense, there is actual, like, people in the Ukrainian government that are, like, or consider themselves Nazis and hold up that. And other people's recollection, uh, even after World War II, Ukraine still had a large Nazi population uh, and also people that were still in support of it. And then Russia came in in its fashion and massacred them all. And that was part of like Vladimir Putin's statement when he was trying to say, sorry for like past, uh, interact, like past aggressions in that context. But it's, it's one of those things where this is turning up. And I think, you know, instead of going with optimistic viewpoints about things, go with the old saying, plan for the worst, uh, hope for the best, but plan for the worst. So I definitely see this conflict heating up. Uh, it is, uh, I was listening to just gentlemen on Rumble, which, you know, Rumble is becoming a great platform to like, you know, listen to different viewpoints because there's not very much censorship. Uh, but let's give a little bit of a listen to, let's see. This. They rush is the bad guy. So, Sanctions, uh, which all right. Everyone, Judge Andrew Napolitano here with Judging Freedom. Today is Monday, February 21st, 2022, and my guest is my longtime friend and ideological colleague, Jacob Hornberger. Jake is the founder, president, and chair of the Future Freedom Foundation and writes on a several times a week basis essays that are stimulating and captivating, and one of them caught my attention over the weekend at lourockwell.com, where, of course, my articles appear on Thursdays. Jake, welcome back to Judging Freedom. It's always a pleasure, mate. 
So I just wanted to give that a little introduction to the two. Uh, those guys were talking about the history about uh, our conflict with Russia and how we've always made him the boogeyman. I know people have, uh, Putin has brought up that he supposedly talked to Bill Clinton about joining NATO, uh, but they go into a historical background of how we got involved in World War II and how Roosevelt, you know, we all think about uh, Pearl Harbor and uh, I remember uh, listening to a book, How to Hide an Empire, uh, and in that book they brought up Pearl Harbor and how, like, you know, he, the, in that book he was going on, like, you know, the colonies we had from the Philippines to Guam and so forth, they were also attacked. And during World War Two, Roosevelt was supposedly by what they were saying was trying to find a way into the world uh, war. And he essentially had no way of like getting into the war because, you know, just like now we have no like no one wants us to engage in that conflict. Uh, Joe Biden's uh, came and said on the press conference that he's just going to impart sanctions. And the thing about uh, every question that came after him in that press conference from like the media outlets and reporters is, you know, well, sir, you've imparted sanctions on Russia before and it still hasn't stopped it. And so on and so forth. And so what are you going to do? It's a lot of escalating talk, uh, even, Ben Shapiro, he had a clip that I was listening to about how uh, in this state that Ukraine should have nuclear weapons. And it is, it's kind of like why we said that uh, in the Middle East, we couldn't have them have nuclear weapons and nuclear arms because we couldn't trust them and it would just escalate tensions and blah, blah, blah. But it is one of those moments where it's just like when you say something like that, you're also talking about nuclear warfare. And even if it's between Ukraine and Russia and that, uh, that would be a devastation of mass casualties. And I do not want that to go forward. And it's not just them. Uh, in an article I was looking up, do, do, do. let me see if I can pull it up because I have... No, not that one. Save stories. Well, and from the news media outlook, you got uh, here is a list of Russian allies during the Ukraine invasion and the reason why from Toronto Star. So it's just a long list of, you know, allies ranging from and first one is Belarus. They talk about how like Belarus has been a part of like conflict and has helped in like uh, like several different conflicts. Initially sent to partake in joint military exercise until February 20, the estimated 30,000 troops in Belarus will not now stay indefinitely. The further pressure Ukraine the further pressure Ukraine to be more aware of its borders as the country ca capital Kiev is only around 150 kilometer uh Bombers from the Belarus border. It also brings up China and its involvement. You know, China from this conflict is all for it. They would like it to like also aid them in their efforts to take over Taiwan. This is like, you know, a large power grab between the two countries. Iran, you know, obviously, you know, we have horrible tensions with Iran. Uh, apparently in Iran, they held uh, joint naval drills in the Indian Ocean covering some 17,000 square uh, kilometers, including night fighting, rescue operation and fire fighting drills. It was in 
the third joint naval drill of three countries since 2019 and uh, coincided with a recent visit by Iranian president to Russia that ended shortly before. And then North Korea, which is, you know, kind of controlled by, you know, control. So just, and Syria, the list goes on. Uh, needless to say, when you have articles like that, this naming enemies of like and helping Russia in this endeavor, it is kind of like, oh, he, are we going to go after them, start sanctioning them, which we have. And this is a whole thing about doing sanctions. They, are, they have a devastating effect to the culture and the people. They're meant to starve people. They're meant to like, you know, make them like supposedly rise up and like, you know, take over the government and say, stop this and that. I don't think this is going to happen in the sanctions that are coming forward with uh, the Biden administration. Uh, and I, at this point, do not see this not escalating because it's kind of and you just kind of look at the Biden administration, us pulling out Afghanistan. A lot of people herald that as a great thing. I think it was, you know, that. But also, I don't know if this was a already thought plan to kind of escalate the tension. Again, we've been in Ukraine and have like helped overthrow uh, the presidents uh, there that was more Russian forward to implant a uh, new president. Uh, and yeah, no. The technicalities of all this is this very dawning and stuff. Uh, I think, you know, we're going to find ourselves in a way. The one article I was reading earlier that I was trying to find up is how Ukraine is looking to bring back their nuclear arsenal. They already have the mechanisms to fire. They have avenues to obtain. And this is kind of along the lines Ben Shapiro was talking about and saying that, like, I'm pretty much saying that America is not going to be able to protect Ukraine and Taiwan because we are scared and that if they truly want to like maintain their sovereignty to get nuclear weapons. And this is kind of like, I think, a bad idea all in all. I know for the Ukrainian government and Ukrainian people, they would like to keep their sovereignty and stuff. I just think once you start bringing military arms of nuclear capability, you just need one bad incident. Uh, again, I bring up Oliver Stone. He was uh, talking about JFK a long time ago, and he's like come out of a movie, and he said the Bay of Pigs. Like we didn't know how close we were to a nuclear war uh, because there was Russian uh, nuclear tanks there during that uh, during that invasion. That was CIA led, and that was a big part. He was bringing on like uh, the president at the time. Uh, Kennedy did not want to do this. He said, pretty much, if you get the troops to hold the beach and so on and so forth, he would, like, consider, like, you know, furthering the conflict. And it's hard to say uh, without, like, actually being there what is going on. There's reports I was reading that Russia is actually only, you know, targeting, uh, not targeting civilian uh locations try to minimize the casualties but also control ukraine i think russia is definitely going to come in and whop the ukrainian nation and take it over uh but if it's anything like we've seen in afghanistan iraq and so on and so forth if the people aren't with the government they will uprise and it would be a long long 
occupation hell we were in the middle east for 20 years and the moment we left the taliban came in took over and was widely accepted by the people there this is a different culture different people again my hearts go out to either side you know whether you are part of the states that want to secede from ukraine i don't you know i know there's a lot of history behind that and i don't want you you know don't want people to die unnecessarily and it is one of those things that we haven't seen a conflict of this nature in a long time. Again, you know, people bring up the annexing of Crimea, which, you know, in uh, Ukraine on fire, Oliver Stone reported that they did have a democratic election. Now, whether you like to believe that or not, I think a lot of people that are like reading into this uh, situation would like just to have their ideas proven. And why I brought up those two gentlemen, they kind of go in to the conflict and how this could be operation to further enthrall us. What I was bringing up about Roosevelt and what they brought up is when uh, Pearl Harbor happened and the Philippines was attacked by Japan, uh, The supposedly the U.S. government was making many attempts to have Germany start the conflict uh, because uh, you need... Essentially, he didn't have Congress signing off on it. And this is reminiscence to me of 9-11. There, like, Congress had the vote to go into the war and, like, engage into that count, that conflict. Uh, but, you know, and surprisingly, Nancy Pelosi was a dissenter in that, along with Bernie Sanders. Uh, Joe Biden was not. He and George Bush wanted to, like, wanted this conflict to go on. And there's Matt Gaig, uh, you know, AOC, Ilhan Omar, and bipartisans like support uh, that was sent. A letter was sent to Biden administration to say like, please uh, make sure that you don't do this. Send troops into this war without Congress's approval, which is like the legal precedent. Uh, what they are referencing is. They in uh, World War Two that the it se seemed like it was a purposeful attempt by Roosevelt to incite conflict, and when they knew that they couldn't get Germany to do it, uh, they went on to Japan and try, you know controlling their oil supply because during that time in World War Two they took over China, and in that uh, effort Japan realized that like they needed it to continue like their occupation of China and was coaxed into attacking naval bases at like Hawaii and so on and so forth, which then got much support. And the idea, I remember uh, how to hide an empire, he was saying like, you know, uh, when he was writing a speech after the, you know, attack, he didn't bring up the Philippines or Guam because they, in his words in the book, uh, that it would not get support if it was a country that had a mostly Asian base and Hawaii, there is several naval ships and a lot of like uh, soldiers there at the time. And so it was a perfect way of saying like, Hey, they've killed our soldiers. And if it's like, as what they said, then it seems like in that time, they purposely allowed uh, us soldiers to be attacked. It's similar to 9-11, where we supposedly had intel that from the intelligence agencies that the attack was happening, and they knew about it, but did nothing. And then from that conflict, you had a lot of 
support from American citizens to get revenge. And that is what I am hoping we don't get coaxed into again. I know we all have short-term memories. Uh, I'm just going to play a little bit more what they have to say about the subject because I thought it was very intriguing. And I think it's definitely something to listen to because you don't really get this uh, story of history your friend. Oh, thank you so much. Honor and a pleasure as always, Judge. Oh, thank you. So the essence of your article uh, lauds the U.S. Uh, military command in the Pentagon for putting Vladimir Putin in a box. Uh, but what you're really lauding is how malevolence and evil can also be brilliant. So before we talk about uh, Vladimir Putin, which is as relevant as anything can be, not only these days, but today and at this very moment. Tell us how FDR was malevolent and evil, but brilliant in uh, manipulating public opinion to maneuver us into World War II. Yeah, well, there's obviously a tone of sarcasm in my piece uh, right. because I, I point out, as you say, that it's an evil and malevolent scheme, and it was an evil and malevolent scheme by Roosevelt. But you can have an evil and malevolent scheme that is ingeniously conceived and carried out. And so if we go back to to what was happening with Roosevelt, uh, when Roosevelt was running for re-election in the 1940 campaign, he told the American people uh, that he was with them in their opposition to getting involved again in the European war in World War II. And he knew that there was overwhelming opposition to entry into World War II uh, based on the fiasco that World War I had turned out to be. But he was lying. The, the fact is that he wanted into that European conflict, but he knew that he couldn't get a declaration of war from Congress. And this was a time when presidents were still complying with that part, particular part of the Constitution. So he figured, well, if I if I figure out a way to, to get Germany to attack us, then that'll give me my declaration of war. And so he went into the Atlantic, tried to provoke German warships into attacking U.S. vessels. But the Germans knew what he was up to, and they refused to take his bait. So what Roosevelt did at that point is he says, well, I'll look at the Pacific as a possible back door to getting involved in the European conflict. And that's when he started focusing on Japan. Now, Japan had invaded China, as you know. They had a massive war machine, massive war effort there that necessarily depended on oil. Roosevelt figured that if he placed a very effective oil embargo on Japan, it would squeeze them, where they would be forced into making a very bad choice from their perspective, either withdraw their war machine from China or invade the Dutch East Indies in order to get a permanent supply of oil. Well, they obviously chose the second alternative, but they knew that in, in order to achieve this continuous flow of oil, they would have to knock out part of the U.S. fleet uh, or, or do as much damage to the U.S. fleet because they figured the U.S. Navy was going to interfere with them as soon as they invaded. So that's what they did when they started targeting Pearl Harbor. And, and to, to facilitate them, Roosevelt comes up with this scheme of leaving warship, battleships there at Pearl Harbor as bait. Right, right. right. And... Well, we not all know only what battleships, but 2,700 human beings called American sailors. Absolutely. But he was willing to sacrifice them. We, we also have the thousands of troops in, uh, in the Philippines that he was willing to sacrifice to, what, to do what he felt was the greater good, and that was to get involved in World War II, specifically on the European front. And he achieved it. I mean, it, 
like I say, it was a brilliant scheme in a very malevolent way, but it you was know, absolutely because genius. Of the, of the outcome of World War II, and because the Nazis were so horrific, and because of our uh, happy liberation of the survivors of the Holocaust, you, you rarely hear this history of the origin origins of World War II. It's as sound a history as there is. It's not taught in the public schools and it's not even discussed in, in common parlance. But now there are even documents, uh, telegrams uh, from uh, Stimson, the Secretary of State, showing that they were expecting the Japanese attack and did nothing to repel it. Fast forward us to today. What is the Pentagon, the American military, doing to plan for or manipulate Putin's invasion or threatened invasion of the Ukraine? Well, again, it's another ingenious uh, political move in a malevolent way that when the Cold War ostensibly ended in 1989, you know, we all thought that this was it, that we're going to have peaceful and friendly relations with Russia, China, the communist world, but it was not to be. From the standpoint of the Pentagon and the CIA, the national security establishment, the Cold War never ended. And they, what they did was, instead of dismantle NATO, which is what they should have done. I mean, NATO's ostensible purpose was to protect Western Europe from an attack by the Soviet Union. Once the Cold War was over and the Soviet troops withdrew to Russia and the Soviet Union dismantled, NATO should have been dismantled. Instead, what they did, they used NATO to start absorbing Warsaw Pact countries, moving inexorably eastward toward Russia's borders. And they know the paranoia that Russia would have with the idea of U.S. troops, missiles, tanks on their borders or near their borders. Now, why did the American government, under both Republicans and Democrats, move eastward, move NATO and NATO troops, some of whom are Americans, eastward? Why do we need troops in Warsaw? We don't, but you see what the national security establishment needs is official enemies. And, you know, they, they went in there in the Middle East and provoked that hornet's nest there that produced terrorist blowbacks, which gave them the war on terrorism. But they knew that the war on terrorism was likely to dissipate. And so they need official enemies. And Russia has always served that purpose, either as an independent country or as part of the Soviet Union. That was what the whole Cold War was about. Keep Americans afraid. Keep them terrified. The Russians are coming to get us. Godless communism is going to take over. The Cubans are going to invade. In other words, any national security state needs enemies and crises to keep people riled up and afraid. And yeah, it, also, it also keeps people pliant, allows their uh, budgets to increase. It's, it's one step short of the benefits of war to the war-making machine. War is the health of the state. The Cold War is one step short of it. Oh, it's, it's the greatest racket in U.S. history. The what are they Cold doing? What, what is the Pentagon doing now? What do they expect Putin to do? How can the Pentagon win, in your view, no matter what Putin does? And he may do something within 24 hours of this conversation that you and I are having today. Oh, they've put him in a corner. I mean, they have boxed him in. When you know, Although Americans had a chance to establish friendly relations with Russia, they have effectively upended that idea and have put him in a box. Who's he they? Now, 
the, the, the U.S. officials, the U.S. government, the, the Pentagon, the CIA, the State Department. He has two choices at this point, and they have put him in this corner where they give him two choices. One is let Ukraine go right into NATO, which means U.S. missiles, troops, tanks, bases right on Russia's border. Well, they're not going to allow that to happen. And the, But the only other option he has is invade and take over Ukraine before it becomes a member of NATO. And that's most likely the alternative he's going to take because the U.S. and the NATO people are not bending at all. They're saying, oh, Ukraine's got a, got the right to do this. And so now we have this crisis with a nuclear power, which is how does you know, very How dangerous. does Pentagon gain uh, if Putin successfully invades Ukraine? Well, it, it, it's like what happened with Afghanistan. You'll recall that when the Soviet Union invaded Afghanistan, that was another uh, way that the U.S. sucked them into that. And Brzezinski at that time, they asked him, why was this important to you? And he says, oh, we've given them their, their own Vietnam now. We're going we're gonna to break them this way. We're going to get a lot of their soldiers killed. And so by, doing, by, by manipulating Russia into attacking and invading uh, Russia – they now impose this harsh, brutal system of sanctions, uh, which it creates this crisis environment. It keeps the budgets flowing, as you as you pointed out. The defense defense industry gets tax funded largesse continuously, permanently, and then they portray Russia as the bad guy. It's the aggressor. We've got to protect now Eastern Europe and Western Europe because the Russians are coming back and trying to form the the Soviet Union and so forth. So they keeps. The Pentagon, the CIA's, the NSA's control and power and largesse uh, dominant within our American society, along should, with all of the infringements on, on liberty that they do. Should President Biden meet uh, President Putin in Paris next week? There's no point in it. That, that you only have a summit if something is to be expected that will come out of it. Unless the U.S. signals to Putin that they're willing to bend and not permit Ukraine into NATO, there's no point for a, for a summit. What, what would it accomplish? It's just two people talking. Uh, and, I, and I think Putin's going to figure that out. What's the point of a summit if there's no point to it? I, I think they know that they've got Putin in this corner and they're just watching him squirm. And, and they're willing to sacrifice all these uh, Ukrainians in order to accomplish this goal of, of creating this massive crisis and chaos portraying Russia as an enemy, uh, aggressor. And then, of course, the Congress continues to fund the national security establishment to the full extent, if not more. How is uh, Putin viewed in Europe if he's occupying Ukraine? Oh, they're going to portray him as a great aggressor and now a threat to, to Western Europe again. In other words, the old communist threat that the, the Soviets are going to invade West Germany and France and Britain and so forth. It's going to be that all it's Cold War redux, you know, Cold War number two all over again. And what will it take it. for the cold? I don't want this to happen, neither do you. But what will it take for that Cold War to get hot? Yeah, that's the problem here, is it? You know, I read an account in the paper a couple of days ago where two planes, a, a Soviet a Russian plane and an American plane right. came really close to hitting each other. And uh, that's the thing about playing these manipulative games. This is where Americans need to wake up and realize the role that their own government has played in bringing about this thing. Because you never know when things can get out of control, Judge. Uh, you know, uh, and, and a round missile or whatever, and all of a sudden nuclear weapons are flying.
Or let's and, let's uh, go back to 2014 when there was a coup in the Ukraine. And we know who manipulated that coup. And the coup overthrew a popularly elected government, but one that the CIA wasn't very happy with. That, that's, that's where it started. I mean, you've got one of these patented regime change operations that the CIA is famous for. I mean, we can go back in history, you know, 53, Mossadegh in Iran, and 54, Arbenz in Guatemala, and 73, Allende in Chile. I mean, this is just patented regime change operations and that's really the root of the problem here, is, is that coup that took place. Uh, but clearly their objective was not just to put their man into power there. Their ultimate objective was, let's get U.S. bases, missiles, troops, tanks on Russia's border. Now, keep in mind, here's the hypocrite, hypocr- hypocrisy here, that if Russia threatened to put... You um, Russian missiles and tanks and troops in Cuba, 90 miles away from shores, or on right. the Mexican border, or even in Venezuela, U.S. officials would go ballistic and say, no, you can't do that. Right, right. All right, your prediction. Will there be war in Ukraine in a week? Well, I say yes. I, I, think, I think Putin's going to invade. I, I don't see, if he backs down, then that means that Ukraine is automatically going to join NATO. I mean, they're, they're going to they're call his bluff, in other words. They're going to show that Putin was bluffing with all these troops. I don't see that he has a choice. Seems to me that he's I, going I to I think he'll have a very serious problem uh, with his generals and with his security state. If after the investment of producing 190,000 troops and hospitals and, and all kinds of support personnel on the border, he backs down. I don't see him backing down. And I agree with you. I don't know what Joe Biden could possibly say to him in Paris or wherever they have this uh, summit uh, that would produce uh, a peaceful outcome. Right. And the delay also, you know, when troops are ready to invade, you, you they can't be battle ready on a perpetual basis. So uh, right. something like this delays that, that readiness. Uh, so if they're ready and prime and ready to go, Putin's taking a chance by delaying that. Jay Kornberger, no matter what we talk about, it's always a pleasure. It's so clear and so grounded in history, as always. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Judge. Judge Napolitano, judging freedom. So if you didn't catch that, they produced this literally the day before the invasion. It was about, or at least it was posted on Rumble four days ago, and they were 100% right. And this is where I'm just saying... Like, uh, this is where, you know, and I hate bringing up breaking points, but this is where I diverge from their, like, talking points on, like, that. And I think they have great insight. It's just, this is, you know, this was a coke situation. And they, I wish I listened to it sooner. Uh, I'm definitely going to keep on listening to those guys. But they brought up several points, and this is from the playbook over and over again. And it's going to come at the cost of lives, and it's a security state thing. And like whether you want to like Putin or say that Ukraine is filled with Nazis or whatever, this didn't need to go that far. And when we did this regime change, and this is what happens. And we've seen this play out badly for us all. Uh, and if it's just like when uh, Russia invaded Afghanistan and it, like they refer and was like Vietnam where it cost some troops, this seems like just, a, you know, like you said, there's no way that he was not going to invade. And, I, you know, they are, you know, 
very insightful. They called it, you know, they called it on the nose. And many people were saying no. And even the stories around the invasion, like you'll see all these TikTok videos, all of like missiles and helicopters and so on and so forth. And just like the videos of like, or like articles about like chemical weapons used in Syria and stuff like, and turned out that they couldn't come to a conclusion and about what the weapon was that was used to kill all these people and like all the evidence being swept on the rug. It is just another ploy to continue this military operation. One thing on breaking points that they said, like, you know, when Sarger was pointing out that, like, you know, Putin doesn't know what he realized, that you woke up a sleeping beast. Uh, I think he knew very well what was going to happen. And uh, all the support that they may have in these other countries uh, from China, Syria, Iran, the Belarus, and so on and so forth. Uh, it's minuscule to the NATO effort, and this, and like they were trying to bring up about, like, when this happens, you'll get more funding, and it helps with more control, because what we'll say is, the uh, like, what they were saying on Breaking Point, Sagar was bringing up, since, like, you know, this, and this is kind of, and this is what, like, now, hindsight's twenty twenty. Uh, like, this is just, like, you know, Putin did it because we were weak at home, we're so divided, and so on and so forth. Uh, I don't think these countries really give a shit happens here. Like, it's not like we, as an American people, look at the, like, you know, poll numbers of Vladimir Putin or how the people in China, like, you know, we bring up China a lot as far as, like, you know, the Uyghur Muslims and so on and so forth. But no one in America is just like, you know, they're in discourse, disarray. And, like, we'll say that China makes sure through, you know, the communist uh, regime that that doesn't happen. But uh, I don't, you know, yeah, does that come into a factor, but it also becomes a situation where if this escalates to a point, we're going to see a lot of our brothers, sisters, mothers, fathers, sons, daughters go off to a war to die and in the conflict that was coaxed. Uh, now, I can't say with 100% assurity, you know, that's going to happen, but I, just like I said earlier is expect, uh, hope for the best, but expect the worst. And just like we didn't see all these COVID policies coming and that they were going to do all this, what makes it even easier to, like, you know, compel people? Like, you know, when's the last time we've ever been in a draft system? Not since Vietnam or so on and so forth. Probably not Vietnam, but uh, World War usually creates a draft system where we send people off to fight in a war that they don't want to and go to people's homes, kill them in their own backyard and the atrocities that happen uh, from the videos I've seen on TikTok and stuff. And what I was trying to bring up is you see all this stuff happening from like like ships shooting missiles to like uh, buildings, explosions and so on and so forth. Don't go into this in general narrative uh, there. Like there's definitely, you know, casualties happen on both sides and it is. Uh, you know, so far, I'm hoping it's as the article I was reading that like Putin is trying to minimize casualties to in this effort not coax Europe to like bring back NATO. But you're talking about civil dis uh, distrust. Like no one in the country is trusting their institutions from the CDC to the FDA and all and uh, this. How do you get people to like you know come together? Well, you have a military conflict. 
you engage in these narratives that demonizes these other countries and doesn't bring up any history about what's going on. Uh, it also like skimps on the realization that you know how many operations did we put in place to create discourse and so on and so forth. Remember when we went to the Middle East for WMDs and how that was a complete and utter lie? And even Putin's speech, and uh, from what I hear, he's brought up like, you know, there's weapons of mass destruction. They said it was in the sarcastic tone, but if they bring in nuclear weapons as uh, you know, as one of the articles I was reading, then then, you know, you have that. And that is going to be one of those things that I don't want to see, not to say that Ukraine and the people that want to defend it shouldn't be able to defend themselves. Uh, but at the same time, when you're throwing gasoline on a fire, you're not trying to stop a fire. And that's all I have to say about that uh, in that context. So, yeah, uh, this is going to look up to be that and then once we start this military machine you're going to start seeing all these european nations that barely put any money into the military force put a lot more money into it and it's going to get a lot uglier it's going to involve you know more military control at home and abroad saying that hey you know who are you like we've already started so many you know great things like vaccine passports even if you leave here and go to other countries uh you are like asked to like show your vaccination passport which has all your information great identifier and also is a great way to exclude immigration in the places that they want to lessen it like remember when donald trump closed down the borders and said we're trying to keep you know infected people outside but it also worked in the agenda of keeping people from immigrating to america and yeah i just see this involving where like you'll see in the next month or not sooner where like you're going to see some more author authoritarian control just to compel the people to like comply to this you're going to see more funding going in you already have nancy pelosi speaking saying you know this is this a continuation of russiagate which you know another thing that was proven to be false by aaron mate from the oh gosh the gray zone so uh, yeah, from boots on the ground, don't listen to the mainstream narrative. It is a hot thing uh, going on there. And just like in World War Two and like previous wars, no one in America wants to send their children to go off fight other people's battles. But, you know, the military would like that just so that it continued perpetuating like their power, their control. If there's not a boogeyman, then I guess we would just then look to find peace. Uh, yeah, it is a truly sad situation. I hope we could de-escalate this, but I think the people playing this game have no intentions. And again, this is a conflict that you know Joe Biden said if they invade any natives, like you know, aligned country, we will go in and. I bet we're going to find that happening pretty soon. Uh, well, folks, that's all I got for today. I hope this was, you know, uh, eye-opener if you weren't thinking in the context that I was talking about. Uh, other than that, I'm just going to have to keep on living just like everyone else. Don't let this, like, completely wreck your 
day in life. I know for the Ukrainian people and the people in these supposed separatist state, this is a very shocking, dramatic thing. Uh, I hope the best. I hope your family stays safe as best as possible. Uh, again, no one wants to, you know, death to be perpetuated, and there's so many conflicts going on that, you know, this is a hard, hard time. So I'm going to say, say la vie. Happy Sunday. Enjoy. And I'll catch you on the next episode or podcast. I said we would just go with podcast. But all right. Bye bye.